Coming up on episode 184 of Wheel Bearings, we're driving the 2021 Honda Odyssey Elite, Volkswagen Passat, and the 2021 Ford F-150 King Ranch Hybrid. We talk car buying, Rebecca shares her own painful story, we answer some listener questions, including a follow-up with Ford about Mach-E markups, and other topics are more pickup buyers dreaming of electrification and Ford and Jaguar committing to it in the EU in just a few years. That's all ahead on episode 184 of Wheel Bearings. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is Wheelbearings. I'm Jan Roth from Forbes. I'm Rebecca Lindland from Rebecca Drives. And I'm Sam Abual Sambit from Guidehouse Insights. <laughs> That's right. We're changing it up on everyone. I wanted to thank our new Patreon supporters, uh, Mark Reynolds, Matt V. Penfilov. Uh, I hope I didn't screw that one up. Uh, David Levine and Michael Sim. Thanks, y'all, for uh, kicking in. And hopefully uh, you're you're going to stick with us and, and uh, let us know what we can do better to keep you pleased now that you're uh, paying customers. So it's <laughs> <laughs> always helpful. Uh, but let's get on to the cars we're driving. Um, let's see. Who wants to go first? I think I'll go. Sam should go. There you go. Okay. Sam should go. Um, so <laughs> go. All right. I, yeah. I had the 2021 <laughs> Ford F-150 4x4 Super Crew King Ranch Hybrid, or Power Boost, I should say. Rolls right uh, off the tongue. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the not quite uh, most expensive F-150. Uh, that that uh, is reserved for the plat or the limited. The limited, or is it the platinum? I can't remember. I don't know. Anyway, I don't remember it's a, how they're. It's they're a really expensive F one fifty. Let's put it that way. Um, and well, how expensive is it? Bottom line price seventy six thousand nine hundred and five dollars, including the one thousand six hundred and ninety five dollar delivery charge. Yes, I, and can. And it's not even so. It's not even heavy enough for a tax write off, is it? Like you couldn't you couldn't get the tax write off. No, for like uh, because the GVW vehicles? is less than eighty five hundred pounds, so it's not a commercial yeah. vehicle. And speaking of destination See? charges, I know we're already diverging. Consumer Reports is actually doing some work on that because <laughs> I was asked to provide a quote last night um, for a story that Kristen Shaw was writing for uh, the Drive, oh. and she referenced a consumer report story so there it, it is not our imagination uh destination charges have been increasing steadily over the last five years oh yeah no no doubt about what, that um so like i just don't understand why don't they just put that in the price of the car why is it separate that's a really good well i mean the you know the cynical side of me wants to say it's it gives them a way to do hidden price increases um, you know, and, you know, it lets them advertise a price that is less than what you actually have to pay because it's not an optional thing. You can't you can't decline to play, pay the, inv the, the the destination charge and go pick it up from the factory. I mean, if, if you could do that, I mean, for me, you know, the, these things are built in Dearborn, like 25 minutes away from me here. And I could, you know, I could easily get a ride over. I could take a lift over there for a lot less than what this destination <laughs> charge is. But they would, they, they, you can't decline it. 
Uh, so it, it's it's a mandatory fee. And I think I mentioned last week when we were talking about the, the 2022 Bolt, the prices that they're quoting for the Bolt now and the Bolt EUV actually include the destination charge. So they are not they are not talking yes. about the price without destination charge anymore. It, it's included. And I think that this this should be mandatory for all automakers. You you cannot advertise a price that does not include the delivery charge. I agree with that. I, I don't mind. I'm never in favor of opaqueness, though. And that's the that is the one thing is that that I do. I agree that you shouldn't you shouldn't be able to advertise the price without something as significant as a destination fee. You know, some of the other ones, license, registration, all that stuff. But when you're tacking on, you know, five to eight percent onto a vehicle sometimes it's like wait a minute you can't just throw that on in so i agree but i do i do still like having it as a line item yeah that's fine you know have it have it as a breakout line item on the on the monroney but you know in in terms of what you the price you advertise it should be that bottom line price and you mentioned you know registration fees license fees that sort of thing those vary state to state anyway so it's not realistic to to lump those in and sales tax, you know, sales tax is another one because that varies exactly. based on where you are, but anything that is consistent, you know, that every single customer has to pay for should be included in that price that you put on that, on that ad. Yes. And, I agree. You know, you should not be, you should not be allowed to advertise a price that is missing mandatory items. So that, that, that's set that's aside. <laughs> this is a really what, good what, truck. What were you driving? Um, it's the uh, 2021 <laughs> Ford F-150 King Ranch Power Boost Super Crew. Um, may- maybe not necessarily in that particular sequence of, of terms, but yeah, so this is <laughs> yes. this is the hybrid King Ranch. Um, and actually, you know, so the, the hybrid is new for 2021. Uh, Ford's been talking about this for a long time. In fact, I think it was it's probably about 10 years ago when they first announced they were going to uh, do a partnership with Toyota to develop a hybrid for both for the F-150 and for Toyota's trucks. And after a couple of years, for reasons unknown, that deal fell apart. The two companies went their separate ways. Um, I'm guessing that when the new Tundra finally shows up, it will probably have a Toyota hybrid system in it. But for now, this is the only full-size pickup truck you can get with a full hybrid system. And, you know, it's, it's actually fairly fuel efficient, but it's not... Uh, it's not the mo. It's not uh, designed to maximize fuel efficiency. It's designed to get good fuel efficiency, but really more for the functionality, the capabilities. So you know, to get great towing capability, I and mean, you can tow twelve thousand pounds with this thing, uh, properly configured. Uh, you can, um, you know, it, it comes standard with their Pro Power on board generator system. So uh, you, as standard equipment, you get a two point four kilowatt. Um, generator system. So it's using the electric motor from the hybrid uh, as a generator. And, uh, you know, depending on how much power you're consuming, it can run that just off the hybrid battery without even running the engine, depending on how long you need it. Uh, eventually it'll turn the engine on uh, and run that. But even that, you know, this, this is something that, you know, can be really appealing for a lot of commercial users, for contractors, um, you know, plumbers, things like that, where they need power for their tools uh, that, you know, cause a lot of them haul around a gas generator in their truck yep. and that yep. both takes up space. Um, you know, those gas, those, you know, portable generators typically put 
you know, consume are less fuel efficient. They can, they're um, got, you know, they don't have all the emission controls that are on modern vehicles. And, uh, you know, because they're, they're going to have to run continuously, you know, they also have, you know, have a disadvantage there. You know, this, uh, this thing, you know, when the engine is running, it's running through the catalytic converter and everything. So it's, it's generally going to be cleaner than a typical generator. And you, you, you don't have that extra piece of hardware to haul around. So in the left rear corner of the bed, uh, on the, the, the base version, there's four 120 volt AC out, outputs outlets with um, maximum of 2.4 kilowatts total output. Uh, then there's also the upgrade model, which gets you 7.2 kilowatts. So with that one, you get you still get the four 120 volt outlets and you get a 240 volt uh, NEMA 1450 outlet. You know, it's like a dryer outlet. So you can. Uh, run a welder off of that, you know, or any number of other things, uh, <laughs> or an EV. Yeah, and <laughs> you, you know, I mean, this this past, yeah, you could you could chart, you could plug in, you know, because the the Mustang Mach E, you know, comes standard with a a, a charging cable that supports 240 volt and it's got interchangeable plugs, so you can plug it into a 120 outlet or a 240 outlet. So you could plug it in to an F150 hybrid and charge it off of that. Uh, See, it's its own roadside assistance. It, it, it is. Right there. It's, it's exactly AAA what it is. And in fact, this 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 past week, um, you know, as we're recording this, you know, Texas and a lot of the South got hit by these big storms, and Ford was actually asking their dealers, you know, because you know millions of people were without power for several days in freezing cold weather, they were asking dealers to loan out their F one fifties that they had in stock to use as generators. Uh, to pr- to provide power for people, you know, emergency power for people. So you know these these things can put out a lot of power. So that can that can be very handy. Um, and the the one I was driving had the upgraded seven point four kilowatt uh, system. Uh, and you know when you're using the two forty volt outlet, uh, you know the engine's going to be running continuously. It's not it's not going to run off the battery for that one. But you know this this is a um you know this is a very capable truck and you know a lot of really neat features on here um to what we talked about last week uh we were talking about the grab handles and some of these bigger vehicles and i went back and checked and the F150 did in fact does in fact have a grab handle on the a pillar the the 2021 F150 i can't remember if the previous generation did or not but the new ones do uh so on both sides you've got that grab handle there to help I'll pull you up into the truck. Uh, you know, the King Ranch, of course, has the power running boards uh, that retract. You know, they, they automatically extend when you approach the truck with the key fob on you. Or if you, you could, uh, the F-150 also supports a phone as a key. Uh, so you can program your, you can set up your Ford Pass account on your phone and enable your phone to be used as a key using Bluetooth LE. Uh, so when you walk up, uh, you know, it automatically Pops down the running boards, uh, unlocks the doors, turns on the puddle lamps, that sort of thing. Uh, it, this this one also had, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, fold flat front seats, uh, the uh, full full recline seats or max, max recline driver and passenger max seat in the front. Right. Uh, so you know it's like like laying back in a business class seat when you when you sl- when you fold it all the way back and you recline it all the way back. The seat cushion actually the back like. of the seat cushion actually comes up to make it a flatter surface, uh, so it's more comfortable. So if you need to take a nap in your truck, you can do that. Um, it also had the <laughs> that's a foreman's truck yeah, there exactly. <laughs> yeah. People napping. Uh, also had the. Um, <laughs> Uh, 
the twin panel moonroof. So basically, you know, a panoramic moonroof, you know, in this crew cab truck. And, you know, the with the size of these cabs now, you know, the back seat in these things is huge. You know, th these are these are luxury. I mean, even even as a base vehicle, you can you can get an XL in Super Crew hybrid. Uh, and, you know, you've got more leg room and headroom in that thing than you do in, in almost any big, you know, luxury sedan. Um, had the tow package. It had the um, the active prep package for the active drive assist uh, that's coming this summer. Uh, so this will be uh, a hands free driver assist system similar to, to GM Super Cruise. Um, and that will, you know, if you, if you order the truck with that active prep package on it, it actually comes standard on the higher trim levels. Um, then, uh, it'll, uh, you'll get that update as an over the air software update. Uh, and this, that's one of the things about these new F one fifties is they f support full OTA update capability, just like a Tesla. Uh, it had really nice 12 inch, um, display, uh, uh, landscape display for the sync four system um you know very responsive uh you know it's a dip, little bit different interface uh from the one in the mach e uh because it's landscape so it's set up a little bit differently but you can still uh you can swipe back and forth you know you still get a, a two pane display on there and you can so you can have your media player and the smaller pane on the on the right and navigation and if you want to swap them you can just swipe across the screen and it'll swap the positions of whatever's in those two panes. Um, yeah, it's got, you know, full Ford pass capability. So you can get apps in there, like paying for parking and paying for gas and things like that. So, you know, this is a, a really, really nice truck, you know, and we've complained in the past about the interior quality of some of the materials, even on the high end Ford trucks, that's no longer the case on these 2021 uh, models. These, these new models, really, really nicely done interiors, really well executed. Uh, you know, they, uh, all of the 2021 trucks, you know, with the automatic transmission have the, um, the fold down um, uh, shift lever. So you press a button and the shift lever motors down into the pocket in front of it. And then you can have the work surface. It just folds out. So you have a nice big flat work surface to put laptop or Easy, or yeah, clipboards on there, you know, to write out your notes. It's just great for, again, you know, for people working from their trucks um, and, uh, you know, the work surface on the tailgate, uh, you know, so you've got a molded in uh, ruler. There's uh, pockets for clamps to, you know, clamp down your whatever you're working on. Uh, there's molded in cup holders and a little slot for a tablet, you know, to you know, put whatever, whatever you need there. It's, it's just really well thought out with a lot of, a lot of really cool details. And so that's the, the 2021 Ford F-150 King Ranch Super Crew Power Boost. Yeah. I think Ford's <laughs> done an amazing job on those emotional solutions that make people happy, mm -hmm. right? Like it's like they thought about things and, and they put in so many details like that. I, you know, the it's really stunning. And, and the stories out of Texas are so interesting. Um, they're actually Ford reported that they're seeing an 18 percent increase in online searches for the for the F-150. And which is notable because they've you know, it's such a popular vehicle to have that kind of increase in online searches is really significant. And so I think that, you know, they've just 
the thoughtfulness as you said that went into that vehicle is is amazing and i know i love driving the one that i had for a couple of days you know it's a big truck for sure but oh, very big yes very big but <laughs> i don't know there's there was still there was some there was a good feeling about driving it and you know while it's a lot to drive around every day certainly in suburbia um you know, there, it's, I think it's really hard to be on the open road. And when you're down in, in yeah, as a worker, as a working ranch kind of kind of environment, you know, as a working truck, it, it's it's really, really well done. Yeah. And well, there's a reason why people like them, too. You know, I think that this is one of those areas where everybody loves to hate the huge, uh, you know, full size pickups uh, kind of until they try one. Uh, and it may not be your thing. But once you try one and you see how they've been designed to fill the needs of the people who who need them uh, and and want them, you kind of understand it a little yeah. bit more. And and you can walk away saying, you know, this may not be right for me, but I can I can see the appeal. I can understand. You know, it's, it's awful. It's similar to to like minivans too, right? If you're not a parent, if you haven't had that experience, it's easy to really dislike them until you try out all those features and you understand like how yeah, handy I mean, it's, it's it all built, is. Right. Like that's the yeah. thing is that like a, a minivan, a full-size pickup truck, a full-size SUV, as we've talked about before, it's purpose-built. It's not designed for everybody and that's okay. Yeah. It, you know, it's, but it's designed for the people that need it. Yeah. And well, and the luxury, like the luxury is something that, um, you know, I like that they're they're making them them nicer and and more. You, know, you can you can get them as fancy as a Lincoln, right? And that's there should be no shame in that. It's just funny, like how there's this this like undercurrent of um like this 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 feeling that like no 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 a truck should be austere. Like why? <laughs> well, I mean, if you want it austere, you <laughs> can certainly get it austere. You can get it, yeah, absolutely. You can get you it can, austere. That's fine. But like, if you're willing to pay for it and you want the luxury, like yeah. I don't understand why that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, either. you know, when you talk to marketers, you know, at the automakers, you know, whether it's Ford or GM or or, or Ram, you know, they'll tell you that you know what what often happens is you know the owner of the company you know will buy a fleet of you know. XLs, you know, or the, the base models, the work trucks for their crews to use. And then, you know, they'll buy, you know, they'll buy themselves, you know, as part of that package, they'll buy themselves a King Ranch or a Platinum or a Limited, you know, for for the owner of the company, you know, as their, as their luxury vehicle. Now, personally, I would not want to be driving around, you know, in a big truck like this is just as my daily driver, unless I actually had a use for a truck like that. I, I, I mean, it's it, it's not it's not right. It's just not the kind of vehicle I like to drive. But, you know, it actually drives shockingly well. You know, I mean, I remember when I started my engineering career, you know, in the early 90s, working on ABS for these kinds of trucks and those trucks, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Those things were sloppy. They had terrible steering and terrible brakes, you know, and they handled just awful. These modern trucks are nothing like that. I mean, these things are very composed on the road, no matter what kind of surfaces you're driving on. You know, when 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 I had it, you know, we had one night last week when I had it, you know, we got uh, like eight, nine inches of snow. And, you know, I pulled this thing out of the driveway, you know, before I before I plowed my driveway. Um, and, you know, I mean, it just pulled right through it. It didn't it didn't care. 
you know, just put it in four wheel drive and, and just let it go. <clears throat> the only, the only issue I had though was, uh, you know, the, with the, uh, with the running boards down, you know, when I first started to move through the, or actually, uh, I was clearing the one side of my driveway with the snowblower and it was blowing the snow over towards the truck. And every time I walked by the truck, I had the key in my pocket. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> running boards are coming down. So it was packing the snow on the running boards. And so then it, they couldn't retract. And so it, it kept trying to pull it up and it was go back down, pull it up and it would go back down because of the, the snow packed on there. So I had to go and manually clean that off. But other than that, it worked great. And, you know, you can, you can get the, you know, the XL, um super crew with the hybrid uh you know the basic work truck with with the same powertrain in it for forty three thousand dollars which you know for a commercial user you know it's not cheap at 43 grand but that's you know that's a very reasonable price to pay for that kind of truck uh these days so and you know the fuel economy the epa fuel economy rating for um for the uh, hybrid uh, with four wheel drive is 24 miles per gallon, which is actually quite impressive for a truck this size. And I got about 19 during my time of driving it, but it was also really, really cold. Mm. You know, it was right, often but also in the single the, digits. The difference too is like um, a, a truck that size, it's not a hybrid that's going to get 19 is not going to have the, like what is the EcoBoost V6 have to like that total system has like 500, foot pounds of torque 450 something yeah. like that it's it's you're not going to have the performance it's so it's you have to, to pick it's not going to be able to pull 12,000 pounds for sure so, well the the ecoboost v6 will uh, it'll pull well yes but i mean like with the the hybrid together like carry yeah. on sorry well no i mean <laughs> basically you know with this hybrid you know like the last time there was a full size pickup with a hybrid was when gm did theirs you know a decade ago their two mode hybrids on the silverado and sierra and also on their S on their SUVs. And at that time, those hybrids were a lot more expensive. The The hybrid system was a lot more expensive to build. I think I, I heard, you know, from people inside of GM that they were losing about $20,000 on every one of those trucks that they sold. Um, and yeah, that, that and the four wheel steering trucks. Yeah. Now, like, uh, sold it, below cost. But you know, that thing could only tow 6,000 pounds. You know, this is, yeah. this thing can tow 12,000 pounds. You know, it's got a yeah. lot more performance, a lot more payload capability than those ever did. Yeah, Ford said it says it has, let's see, 430 horsepower, 570 pound-feet of torque with the full hybrid power. Track. Yeah. That's a lot. That's, that's, that's the most like, torque you, ever in, uh, in an F-150. Yeah. Like, it's so you can have that in 19 miles per gallon, or you can have, you know, something like 300 pound-feet of torque. And 18 miles per or 18, 19 miles per gallon. So you can pick <laughs> either or. Yeah. So, you know, in this case, you know, the, the three, five, you know, basically the same truck with, uh, without the hybrid with the, with the three, five gets 20 miles per gallon combined and you get 24 with this one. So it's about a 20% improvement in fuel economy. That's that can yeah. add up over and, time. And you it like, Oh, that, that, it yeah. absolutely does. Yeah. Especially like if you if you do a lot of city driving too, right? Like a city number is going to actually increase over yes. uh, the the non hybrid significantly, and so you know it'll do start stop and all those things. So um, mm. yeah, so this is what I'm I'm waiting for the new F one fifty to to arrive in my driver. This is the one Ford truck <laughs> I haven't driven this year <laughs> multiple times. Like they have kept us so well stocked in trucks. I've had 
like two of everything <laughs> for a while and all the super duties. Um, and, and so I am just sort of biding my time until the new F-150 comes in. It's, it's everything I've heard is, is really, um, it's, it's like they listened to me. They addressed all my concerns, <laughs> the interior material. Yeah, I mean, we've, the, we've been complaining the, about these things for years and, yeah. and now they fixed it all. So it's good. Yeah. So they should just send me one. I'll keep it. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, so, uh, Rebecca, you've been doing a lot of driving. How's mom, by the way? She's good. Thank you. She's doing very well. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you've been putting miles on, on, you know, the, the toing and froing in the, uh, 2020 Volkswagen Passat, which I'm surprised you were able to stay awake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that car is boring. <laughs> you know, um, yes, it is. <laughs> That's it. What oh, did you need something more from me? Uh, I mean, you know, whatever. It was, you know, <laughs> this is what this. So life is a little chaotic right now. Oh, there's a lot going on. And I didn't even remember. I knew I was getting a Volkswagen. I couldn't remember which one it was. And, and so even I glanced, when you had it, you still couldn't remember what it I was. I still couldn't remember <laughs> which one it was. So I thought it was the Passat. I hop in, I start driving. First of all, closing the door, it's so tinny. Huh. And then I, I'm looking around and I actually took a picture of the door and sent it to, um, to the interior of the door. And I sent it to our friend Joe LaMoralia. And I said, Joe, what car am I in? Because it was so generic. And he wrote back, he goes, I have no idea. (laughs) I'm like, yes, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, what's frustrating is that Volkswagen often makes, you know, very fun character filled vehicles. Like they can do like the Golf GTI, you know, there's the Beetle, obviously, you know, is, is very iconic still. And so, so anyway, so I got to, you know, I start driving and this one's got the 2.0 liter, um, 206 feet of torque, 206 pounds, foot pounds of torque, um, pound foot of torque. I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's, it's supposedly it's got this R line thing going on that they all do. Oh, it's the R line too. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And it was, it was not it was fine it was fine but i actually thought was it also fine or just fine it was and and lucy has awakened after her long nap today it's, it's um, fine give her I, some of your hot chocolate with boy oh my goodness so what what so after i'm driving this thing it's kind of it's pretty loud on the highway it just doesn't have any kind of a premium feel and i'm thinking i'm in the jetta <laughs> like that was <laughs> I'm I'm not even I didn't even realize that I was in the Passat until I pulled out some paperwork. And then this Passat, it you know, the starting price is $22,995. And they just they have really, really managed to strip this car of any character, of any feeling of premium at all. And, you know, what's frustrating is that, and we talk a lot about Kia and Hyundai and brands that actually have a reputation 
that they don't really deserve as a bargain vehicle. You know, like people, you know, will ask me about a Hyundai or a Kia. Are those good cars? And it's like, they're great cars. And so Volkswagen, though, I don't feel like they have been good stewards of their brand and the reputation that the brand enjoyed. Um, you know, I yeah. I didn't have any problems with it. It was fine. And actually, I got stuck um, the other morning. I made a storage run. And when I left the house, it uh, it was not snowing. And then as I got on to 95 and my storage unit's about 20 minutes away, almost 30 minutes away, actually, um, it was heavily snowing and the car did great. And then um, went into storage, was there for about 15 minutes, came back out and there was even more snow on the ground. It was, it was really heavily snowing and it did really, really well, I have to say. And we can talk about that a little bit more because it doesn't have, you know, it's, it's front wheel drive. It's not anything sexy, um, but so, you know, there were things that I liked about it in that it, it did have a nice, secure feeling, even on a slightly slippery highway. Um, but it was just there. There's no sense of reward for a vehicle that this one topped out at over thirty three thousand dollars. And that includes nine ninety five of destination charges. Um, you know, I didn't feel like I was rewarded for making this purchase like that. Yeah, but the yeah. So the, and the 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 Passat is in this position, I think, where the Jetta was uh, just like a year or two before it, where Volkswagen had been known they'd had a run of the you know building their reputation as almost bargain Audis since the like the Jetta three back in the mid nineties, where the cars just felt solid. They felt more expensive than than they they cost. Uh, you know, materials were high quality. They were comfortable. They just they felt like a, a premium car. Right. And and even now, like the Passat goes down the road, feeling it, it has the road going feel of a premium car. Uh, what you're missing now is all the accoutrement of the premium car. Right. The materials feel cheap. It looks nondescript. Please. It's it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's just you know it's it, and I I think I I made the crack a couple of weeks ago about it that it's just it's a a great um, Impala. Yes, yes. Because that's that's like exactly what it is. It's just it's a big sedan with a big trunk, a decent ish back seat. It's not that expensive. Um, you know, so 31 K for the R line, that's probably not that much. You're not, you don't have much more room to grow with that. Right. Uh, there's not a lot more to throw at it. So it's like, that's a decent price for the Passat. That's not a, like. It's not, but it's not. So, so, and, and the other thing, this doesn't have any drive modes in it whatsoever. Cause like, I was looking for like, is there a snow mode? Is there something, you know, some way that I can, um, interact with the vehicle? And say, you know, and adjust adjust the vehicle for my current driving conditions, which was heavy snow. And there wasn't. And I just, I don't know. I just was disappointed in it. I I, I go into every car wanting to love it. Right. We love cars. And I go in wanting to feel rewarded. As a consumer, they have chosen a vehicle, right? And you want them to feel rewarded for making this decision to yeah. buy a 2020 Volkswagen Passat. 
And I didn't have that feeling. Yeah, and, and, and if you were if you were like a longtime Volkswagen fan too, I don't know that. I, my first car was a Volkswagen. Yeah. Yeah, and and like, we owned a couple of Volkswagens. You know, we had a, 20, a 2000 Passat, you know, that we had for, for nine years. You know, we we had our, you know, more than our fair share of issues with it. But, you know, my wife loved driving that car. You know, and I, I did, too. I mean, it was a great car to drive. And, you know, what, as you said, Dan, you know, they, they felt like bargain Audis. You know, when when we went to buy that, you know, the local VW dealer here in Ann Arbor, you know, they had VWs and Audis in the same showroom. And there was Passat sitting there next to the A4, which, you know, they were on the same platform. They were mechanically identical. They had the same 1.8 liter turbo four cylinder in there. You know, and you, you go from one to the other. It's like, why is that Audi $10,000 more than this Volkswagen? Right. Well, and the Volkswagen, the, the A6, I mean, the, uh, the Passat at that point was larger. You know, so it's like, uh, right? no, the, the current generation bigger, Passat's it? actually a bit bigger, but, oh, you mean larger than the A4? Okay. It, it was larger than the A4 yeah. then, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so it, was it was slightly it was, larger. So, um, so yeah, like that's, I think that's the thing is they've taken that, that all that stuff that, that you loved about the Passat besides the reliability issues, which actually may be better now. Um they took all the character out of the car. I think is, is sort of where I, I come to. It's just like, like uh, Rebecca said, it's just like it's fine. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, right. It, yeah. There's there's nothing inherently wrong with it. But no. when when you compare it against cars like the new Sonata or the Kia K5 or even the the current generation uh, Camry, you know, it just it doesn't have the the style and the flair and the verve. You know, it just does, you know, it doesn't. Well, yeah, the, I mean, the Camry has enough style for four. Oh, that's true. There's a, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there. It doesn't reward you. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is the, it didn't the user, reward the user me. experience isn't there. It, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, like, I I can directly compare with the K5 because the K5 impressed. Yes. Me, where and like I had only the GT line, so I didn't have the GT, which had more power. And and I think you I did, did too, as well, yeah. Rebecca. So that car felt like a premium European sedan as well. It felt good to drive. Absolutely. And, that, and that's one other thing, too. You know, the this Passat, you know, the Passat currently, and it's actually also true of the Tiguan, you know, VW has a two liter turbocharged four cylinder that they sell in a bunch of different variations across their, their product line. The version that, you know, there, there's there's a version of this engine that you can get in the Golf R that makes over 300 horsepower. And then there's the version that's in this Passat and in the Tiguan makes like that makes 174 <laughs> horsepower. Oh, 174 from a yes. two liter turbo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, but the trade off is the Passat engine is going to um, consume less fuel and last longer. In theory, eh, we'll see. <laughs> in theory, yeah. I, I don't know that I would want this car to last longer. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, that is one pissed off cat. By the way, did you feed her? <laughs> you know, and again, there. There isn't there isn't anything inherently wrong with this with a Volkswagen Passat. There isn't like it was fine. It was fine. But that's the problem is that there are so many cars in this class that are better than fine. The the, the bar keeps getting raised and VW has not kept up. Exactly. Well, I think also like the Passat's in that tough position where it's it's a large sedan. Everybody else has bailed on this for the most and, part. Um, and Grant, VW's, it, I mean, it's, 
VW is going to bail on this. You know, I, I think that this when this generation of Passat goes out of production in the next year or two, mm-hmm. it's not going to be replaced by another sedan. It's going to be replaced by some sort of crossover. Uh, you know, the, the Chattanooga assembly plant where they build these and, and the, this Passat is unique for North America. We're the only ones that get this right. iteration of the Passat. They have a completely different right. Everybody Passat else gets Europe. the old Passat that was Well, and there. maybe that's one yeah. of the problems is that because, you know, Volkswagen people, Americans that buy Volkswagens have an expect, expectation of getting a proper Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it's, I don't know. It's the difference between a kielbasa and a hot dog. <laughs> it's not the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> on that oh, note, sorry. what were you driving, Dan? <laughs> um, so we had the 2021 Honda Odyssey Elite, and when that showed up, we did the appropriate thing, uh, which we took off to IKEA. And nice. on, the way, <laughs> on the way back, we stopped and uh, got pizza. And so I was actually thinking about this. We um, we got pizza from the very special rare place, uh, Frank Pepe's. But there's only so many of those. And it was on the way back. And I got the largest. And I really wanted that, like, fold-down console, like in the F-150, where the shifter mm. folds down the way. Because I got the largest. And the large from Pepe's is large. It's big. Those are big. Yeah. Um. There was no place for it. My wife was like, why didn't you get the minivan with the table? I was like, oh, I haven't made that for a long time, but that was pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, but the uh, the Odyssey is that great family size vehicle. And it's really interesting getting into a van after having so many big trucks and SUVs for a while. You know, you feel that you're just a little bit lower. So it feels so much sportier than stepping out of a large pickup truck. And the the Odyssey is the driver's minivan. Um, it's It's got a low cowl compared to everything else. You know, you really like the hood just just isn't there. That's like the classic Honda thing where you've got the bottom of the windshield and then nothing else. Uh, so visibility out is great. Uh, and you, you feel like you're really, you can see exactly where you need to go. The visibility sight lines are, are excellent. Um, it really handles, you know, it has that bit of Honda sportiness to it. It also has a lot of Honda noisiness. On the highway, mm, there's like that the road noise. Yeah, um, there's like a lot of low frequency um, that intrudes on the highway. Um, the engine itself is wonderful. I love their 90 degree uh, 3.5 liter V6. It, it's really snarly. It's torquey. And then when you get, you know, you hear the shift over when it shifts uh, the VTEC cam profiles, when VTEC kicks in, <laughs> uh, it's it, the engine note changes a little bit and it pulls really hard. It's it's a it's probably my favorite powertrain in a minivan because it has that little bit of honda sort of spirit to it the Mm. steering is good uh the ride is not so great it's a little stiff and um those things kind of make it make it feel like not properly tuned for the class you know it it, it's great if you want to take a back road with it i was surprised at how you could sort of follow the curves the problem is that it's a little loud, it's a little stiff, and it, it just it's not not as soothing for occupants. And even with the new interior, the interior materials for the elite at least 
don't feel as good as what you're going to find in the um, the Pacifica specifically. I haven't been mm. in the newest Sienna yet, but the Pacifica has their their top tier. I forget what it's called off the top of my head. Um, it's the Pacifica Very Fancy. I don't oh, the Pinnacle. Yes. The Pinnacle. There you go. Um, so it's that as high one as you can has. Get. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's the Zenith. <laughs> <Literally>. um, <laughs> as opposed to the Volkswagen Passat and Adir that we just spoke of. Um, <laughs> Cheap shot. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, but the, you know, it just, it doesn't, it feels durable. It, it's going to look good. Everything is going to present well. It's going to hold up. And that's what I've seen from Odysseys. You know, I work with people who have them and they do. They hold up. They look exactly the same at 10 years old inside as they do brand new. And that's good. Uh, the problem is that they don't feel as nice as, you know, some of the competition, which again, I don't know how well the other stuff holds up. I don't, I don't know how well the Pacifica interior holds up, but it feels nicer. It looks nicer. Um, and because our business is driving brand new cars all the time, (laughs) um, that's going to color my judgment. Um, and it's just, you, you know, I think this is the kind of car that you need something to be a little bit quiet, a little bit compliant, um, not quite as as edgy with the handling, although it's very secure. It's very short footed. I liked that. Um, it's also trailing both. The, I think that both the Sienna and the uh, Pacifica now have all wheel drive where the Odyssey doesn't. Yeah. So I actually I had the Sienna back in October mm-hmm. and it was it was really nice. It has those cool seats that like the um the reclining, not the reclining, but the um, pop-up, the ottoman. With the lazy boy kind of thing. <laughs> right. rest. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and the interior was very, very nice. It was really, really well done. You know, obviously a huge improvement over the previous version. The styling was nice. It was fun to drive. I mean, it, they. I thought they did a really, really nice job with it. So I think that, again, you know, like... Like we've talked about, people are raising the bar. The, uh, the minivan class is purpose built yep. and, you know, people buy it for a very specific reason. And I think that they have, I think certainly the Sienna and, and the Pacifica, they have said, you know what, if you're going to be in this, if you, if you have purchased this vehicle for a reason, we are going to put a lot of thoughtful designs into it. I think that, that, Chrysler and Honda were the first ones to really do that, you know, with some really cool features, the stow and go, the vacuum cleaner, these kinds of things. But I do think that Toyota has really stepped up and Honda's facing a lot more competition now. I still think it's like a cool, you know, the, the cool minivan. Right. But well, the, it is. the Pacifica is amazing. And yeah. and the new Sienna is really really good. Well, I, I do like the niche that Honda has sort of um, sort of carved out for itself. Go ahead, Sam. I was just going to ask if the the one you had had the the uh, the vacuum cleaner still in it because yeah, it, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, because <laughs> they're they're actually no longer available. Um, the uh, company that was supplying them with those vacuum cleaners, uh, actually, it's um, ShopVac was building those. They went bankrupt really? last year. And Ooh, uh, um, so <laughs> Honda right now is looking around for a new supplier. So if you were thinking about an Odyssey uh, because of the vacuum cleaner, you can't get the, the built in vacuum cleaner anymore. But there's okay. an opportunity for you if you'd like to That's actually right. start um, becoming an OEM. You could make vacuums. Uh, this one does. It has the has the Honda vac in it. <clears throat> um, the 
it has all the features, you know, with the, the elite is the top of the top of the food chain for the Odyssey. And so it has all the ADAS. It has the little cabin intercom, which is hilarious. It has the little um, the camera, the little night vision camera or the, the uh, we, I used it at night. So maybe it was in night vision mode, but it has the camera where you as the driver can can sort of get a view of who's punching who in the, in the back seats, um, which is interesting. You know, they're, they're funny things to joke about, but also I can see it as a, uh, you know, a parental feature, especially like, I think Nicole was talking about it um, last week uh, with the rear facing child seat. Um, yeah. maybe I, somebody I mentioned. I, mean, I would have loved to have had a feature like that when my kids were young. Um, you know, yeah. Cause I mean, you know, when, when you're driving around, when you've got younger kids, you know, there's always stuff going, going on back, especially on a road trip. There's stuff going on back there that, yeah. you know, there's there's going to be conflicts. Look, even when they get to be teenagers, you know, you got to see who's passing the bowl back and forth and stuff. So it's just like. <laughs> so, so, you know, being being able to, you know, you know, hit that hit the button and see what's going on back there is actually a really valuable feature. And like you said, yeah. you know, like Nicole said, you know, for. Um, you know, if you've got a, a baby in a rear facing seat, you know, being able to, to look at them, uh, you know, is, is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Hey, just an FYI for you. Um, ShopVac was actually purchased by Great Star Tools USA, uh, which is part of another larger uh, company, Great Hangzhou Star. Great Star yeah. Inter- yeah, I, Industrial I, Company. Limited. I think, yeah, I think they bought the, the brand. But um, like some of those contracts, like the Honda contract, you know, they did not take those up. And so Honda was shopping around for a new supplier for those vacuums. Huh. Because they bought the assets, though, too. They bought the Williamsport uh, factory. Yeah. But um, according to this article, but they're not supplying those vacuums anymore for whatever reason. Well, hopefully they'll maybe they'll reconsider. Yeah. (laughs) I think you should get on the phone. You should should call them up and, uh, you know, Uh, start to consult with them um but yeah the, so those features are good and at the and the infotainment was actually pretty good um i know i've complained about honda infotainment in the past this time around it, it's been updated uh to the point where i think it, it works pretty well it works nicely with um carplay it had the screen and the dvd player which is nice because we got in another car i think a couple weeks ago and there was no um, DVD or CD player and uh, people were upset about that. <laughs> um, people who had been planning to watch a movie in the car and could not because um, I wasn't, you know, we didn't have the thing to to, to play the movie back on. Um, so that's nicely done. It's It's been updated quite well. It's it's easy enough to live with and figure out after a couple of days. The, um, the ADAS is actually really good. It's it's well done. The lane centering, um, lane keeping is good. The uh, dynamic cruise control is is good. Uh, so it all works nicely, and it takes it takes some of that stress out of driving it versus mm. like being a thing you've got to constantly fight against. You know, some of especially lane centering, it starts to wander a little too much. You're like, look, they're gonna pull me over for being drunk. <laughs> like, I just need to do this myself. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Um, there's an I forgot to mention two things with the Volkswagen Passat, but the lane center, you remind me driving in the snow was very interesting because, you know, people don't necessarily drive right down the center. So where you, where you're Mm. driving isn't necessarily where the lines are. And it definitely wanted me to keep moving over, like to get more centered in the middle, to get to be more centered in the lane. But 
I couldn't because that's not where the that's not where the path was. Right. You don't drive on the like you drive in the tire tracks. Like right. Drive, yeah. right, exactly. And um, the other thing I wanted to mention, I don't mean to hijack your section. That's okay. Um, so I don't know if if we ever did anything with it, but the Volkswagen the when I had the um when I had the SUV and we were sitting out of, outside the post office and yeah, I kept was, saying yes. for to to find yeah. the post office. Oh yeah. Yes. And <laughs> the same thing happened in this car. So I wanted to see, I wanted to test it out. I was like, fine, fine, cube smart or my storage. Ed. And it could not, it just kept saying, pardon. Was now, pardon? was that, uh, was that with the built-in nav system that's in the car? That was the built-in okay. nav system. It does not like me. I don't know what it, it wants it just, from me. It probably just, ha- you know, whoever supplies the uh, point of interest database that they have embedded in there, just, it's just obviously not, not very good. Or the voice recognition is not very good. It's, or both. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. It's crazy. So I'm sorry. I digress. No, no, that's fine. Uh, I think I'm, I'm mostly done. Um, you know, the the things that we like to think of as frivolities, like the power doors and the power sliding doors, all of that is super welcome. And the, the market for minivans really uh, is like those features are really dead on to what consumers want because once you have it you use it all the time especially in this format of vehicle to be able to just open it up and and you know from the press of a button again it's just handy and convenient and that's as a parent oh my god anything that makes your life a little bit easier <laughs> i will so, gladly pay you many dollars so what do you think was the best part of the 2021 honda odyssey for you uh, for me, hmm, it has to be the powertrain. I just, I really like the, uh, the responsiveness of the powertrain and, um, you know, the, the handling is good, but the, the sort of flip side of that is the noise, you know, it's just, and, and the stiffness of the yeah, suspension. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just, it's a little yeah. fatiguing, you know, cause the, the, so for example, the Ikea is not that close to us. It, it was a little bit of a ride. So I was out there with a tape measure actually measuring like, do the things we want to buy actually fit in this thing? Because I'm not going to make that drive if I can't yeah. stick it in the car. And you know, like, it's nice because it, it'll, you know, you got 85 inches from the back of the console to the back wow. of the uh, uh, door. Um, and so if something can fit in between those two middle seats, mm. like it, you can get a lot of stuff in there. Um, and that was, that's nice. But it just like after a while, it's like, I just want to get home and get out of this thing because yeah. it's loud. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so maybe it's, you know, right. active noise cancellation can help with that. Um, and and it's hard. I know it's hard to soundproof, especially with that low frequency stuff. A big box and vans and minivans, especially, they all kind of rumble like that because you basically you've got a tube. It's essentially a tube. And that's what tubes do is you you vibrate them and they resonate at a frequency. <laughs> and that frequency when it's a big tube is low. So, but I feel like, I feel like Honda and Acura often have this complaint of road noise and it gets back to, you know, I mean, for me, like even the Passat, it was, it was tinny and noisy and I really wanted more insulation. Well, that's, you You know, like, (laughs) so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something and, and road noise, tire noise, you know, different surfaces. It's some cars certainly handle it better than others. Yeah. It was nice to get the new pavement and just quiets right down. You're like, oh, great. But yeah. in New England, there's very little new pavement. <laughs> <laughs> Especially this time um, of year. So, all right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did not try it in the snow. It should have all-wheel drive at some point. They should they should update that. Uh, I, would, um, I would think that'll probably come in the next generation and 
since this one's yeah. been around and since hybrid. 2018, you know, it's probably yeah. again, about two years, a year or two away. It's, it's a great van. I have like, honestly, the, the, the thing with vans is like, you've got to drive them all. There's like four that you can choose from, go drive them all balance out against what kind of deal you're going to get and the features that you like the most, um, and purchase away. <laughs> I don't think any of them are bad. Um, how much was it? Than others. It is about 50. It's like, like 49 yeah. something. So, yeah. but again, like that, that the pinnacle, the, the Pacifica pinnacle is going to be over. Oh yeah. The Sienna, yeah. I think the Sienna, whatever the top, what limited, no, not limited. They, they must have a higher trim than that. <laughs> yeah, That's also going to be, you know, but no, uh, for sure. Uh, minivans so. are pricey. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the flip side with minivans too, cause a lot of car weirdos will be like, well, what about the transit connect long wheelbase or the transit itself? And it's like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> a, you're never going to find a good deal They're, those are more expensive than you think. And they suck to use as a family minivan. <laughs> they're just, they're not, they're work vans. They're not meant for that. And they're not designed for it. And you don't have any of the nice features that I just talked about. You don't get even on the transit connect long I mean, wheelbase. Unless, unless you have like more shoot. than five kids plus your partner that you're hauling around, you know, you probably don't want a transit. Yeah. I mean, the transit's, it's a great van, but it's a work yeah, van. It's, it's a know? commercial yeah, it's, vehicle. It's, it's built for a different purpose. Yeah. Or it's, it, it's, you know, if you really have nostalgia for the experience of driving around a Volkswagen Type 2, get over have it. At it. But yeah, okay, get, that's not what you're going to say. Get, get over it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, somebody's phone vibrating on their desk? Yeah. What do you <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I turned on my heater. Oh, that's what I hear. <laughs> oh, sorry. Speaking of Volkswagen, <laughs> sounds like you got... I had it on earlier. And yeah, I no, something was, was rumbling. So, anyway. all right. Well, before you freeze to death. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Why don't we start off with um, uh, some, there's some big EV news out of Europe uh, this week. Uh, Both Jaguar and Ford of Europe announced that they are going all electric. Um, And uh, Jaguar uh, said by 2025, all Jaguars are going to be battery electric. No more gas engine Jaguars. So I find this, I find this fascinating. I have to say, because, you know, electric vehicles are still a very, very small percentage of the market. So is Jaguar. Right. Well, <laughs> exactly. But that's the point is exactly. So here we don't appeal to what's the luxury market. 15% of the market Something like that, yeah. more than that. So we don't, you know, so we're struggling in, you know, because we only appeal to 15% of the market. So then let's double down on that and only appeal to 2% of the market. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to help them. Well, you know, I think they're facing, they're trying to face the reality that, you know, especially in Europe and, you know, their home market and, you know, also in China, 
you know, they, they have to go electric. They don't, they, you know, especially because, you know, what's, what's happening right now, you know, the Land Rovers, the Land, you know, the Land Rovers and Range Rovers are going to take longer. So they're not, they're not switching over to electric yet. You know, they've got plug-in hybrids. They're going to have some electrics by mid-decade, but they're still going to be around, you know, with gas engines for a while, although they're, they're going to discontinue the diesels. And to hit that 95 gram per kilometer, or, you know, they're talking about now by, by 2030, that's going to go down to 45 grams per kilometer um, for CO2 emissions. They have to go electric. They don't have a choice. That it's just some, they're going to have to do that. And, you know, they, they can't, you know, their sales in the U S are not enough to justify and, you know, their volume is not enough to justify continuing to build gas vehicles just for North America. So this is purely more driven by regulatory issues than any kind of consumer yeah, demand and, that we're seeing. Yeah. All. You know, and, and the, you know, looking at where, you know, the other premium brands are going, they're increasingly going electric, you know, and they, they need no, to be I mean, Almost everybody yeah. is. Almost everybody is. It's just, you know, is, I just wonder if the market is ready, especially from established brands to, you know, if you struggle, if you're struggling like Jag has been struggling, it just seems like I don't I just don't know. And, and I'm not saying they have a lot of options. I realize that. But I don't know. I just, there's there's brand building that needs to happen. There's products that needs needs to happen. It always starts with product. Right. Well, and the strange thing about this announcement was, you know, they have they were they've been working on a new electric XJ. And, you know, it's been out testing. It's, you know, it's done. It's, pretty, you know, it was supposed to launch this year. They canceled it for some reason. Because nobody's buying sedans. Yeah, but I mean, if you've already developed it, you've already got the tooling. Presumably they've got the tooling. You know, they've been building the prototypes for a while. You know, why not go ahead and build it? Well, and on a global basis, I think sedans are still yeah, I mean, certainly in the U.S. Nobody's buying them, but in places like China, yeah, you still have There's that still demand, significant market for them. Right. So I'm, I'm not sure why yeah, they're. It's a curious. I mean, there, there must be something else that they're not telling us about why why they decided to cancel that program. But yeah, that is very and, odd. And then you know the the other one uh, was Ford. Uh, Ford of Europe uh, announced that they're going electric. Uh, so by by 2026, all of their passenger vehicles, so their cars and SUVs and crossovers in Europe, will be plug-ins. They'll be either plug-in hybrid or battery electric. And by 2030, 100% of their passenger vehicles will be battery electric. No more plug-in hybrids by 2030. And then in that same time frame, um, by 2024, all of their commercial vehicles will um, have, at least as an option, a plug-in hybrid or battery electric. And then by 2030, they expect two thirds of their um, of their commercial vehicles to be plug-ins as well. Wow! So, and, and they're putting a billion dollars into retooling their Cologne assembly plant to build EVs starting in 2023. That's where they're going to build their their uh, EV based on the, the Volkswagen MEB platform. Wait. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 2019, um, when they announced that VW was investing, who's they? Uh, v- who's they? Uh, Volkswagen Ford. and Ford. Okay, well, that's why yeah. I just want to clarify that because I thought you were talking about Ford, yeah. and then all of a sudden you threw in Cologne and. Yeah. So in, in, in July of 2019, 
Ford and Volkswagen announced a deal. You know, it, it was for autonomous vehicles. Was Volkswagen's investment in Argo, and then they also announced that Ford was going to build an EV, at least one EV, based on the MEB platform, and uh, that's, that's going to be built right. in Cologne. And, and so this is kind of what um, what I was I was trying to recall because when when both of these announcements happened, sort of John Volker, who uh, I forget who he writes for now, Wait, he um, was yeah. He writes all over the place. He freelances. Um, but, you know, he's uh, he, he's pretty visible and, and he um, I, I don't recall the exact sort of wording, but it was one of those like you need to read these press releases very carefully because the first reaction is, oh, all their cars are going to be electric by X year. That's not exactly what's happening. It's like you just said, uh they will offer at least one within the models so that their model range, at least with the Ford thing in particular, um, every model line they offer will have a, a plug-in or battery electric option. Well, that's, so, that's like, for the commercial vehicles. And then, oh, okay. and then the, but the passenger vehicles, the cars and crossovers and utilities, they're going to be all plug-ins and all electric by 2030. Every one of 100%. them, so every every version of every, them, every, as opposed yes. to just having a trim. Yes. Right. And, right. OK, so that's and that's the other thing is and this happened with Volvo, too, when Volvo was like, no, no, we're going to electrify everything. Yeah. And they were very careful about using the word electrify. Well, actually, they were um, not careful because they're the headliner in their press release said we're going to be all electric from 2020, which was not true. Well, and when I when I, I asked Volvo about what that means, they said, well, we're going to have. Everything's going to have a 48 volt mild hybrid as standard. Yeah. So they're going to be electrified and then they'll have options for plug in hybrids or battery electrics. Right. And and that's what I was also just going to get at. It's like when the, you have to, again, check like electrified is not right. fully electric. And so it sounds like at, at the very least, though, you won't be able to buy a Ford that's not a hybrid. Yeah. Well, Ford, Ford, um, Ford was very, in your I mean, it, it says, you know, they 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 were very explicit that by 26, all of their passenger vehicles will be either all electric or plug-in hybrid. So okay. and no no nothing without a plug. They're not going to sell anything without a plug after 2026. So, like circling back to Jaguar too, though, like what does their product line look like in a few years if everything is going to be EV or hybrid? Like that's a very good question. <laughs> We don't know. You know, I, or, or, or is it at least this is what I I'm trying to I'm struggling to understand. Is it all EV or is it hybrid? Like? Jaguar said all EV, all battery electric by 2025 for the for the cars. So or for, or for actually for the Jaguar just, brand. So the Jaguar so brand is going all electric. Dies. Land Rover is um, going to take longer to electrify. Yeah, but so like the F-Type, how that platform just it, you can't just throw batteries in the truck. No, I mean, it's going to have to be a new like, platform. They, they can't realistically make turn the current generation F-Type architecture into an EV. They, I mean, they only have one EV. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Like, uh, which is a good EV. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Like, uh, people like it, um, but it's. It's, is that going to spawn a whole range of different I, things? I don't think so. I think I think that there's a you know they've got new platforms in development. I don't think I don't think it's all going to be based off what they built with the iPace. 
because the, uh, well, the iPace isn't isn't efficient enough. Yeah, it's also old now too, so it's yeah. just time for that to get updated. I'm well, I'm confused, Jaguar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. Uh, well, that'll be interesting to watch. Let's, we'll see um, what happens. Maybe they'll backtrack a little bit. <laughs> like that, we didn't really mean it. We still need to sell cars. Will we buy some, please. <laughs> Yeah, so this this is a new survey that Cox Automotive, your former colleagues, Rebecca, uh, put out. Yes. Um, they talked to a bunch of con- consumers that were in market for pickup trucks to see you know how they felt about electrics. And uh, overall, 35% of them said that they are interested in an electric pickup truck, which seemed surprisingly high to me. But, um, you know, it's good. It is. It's it's surprisingly high in a couple of cases because, you know, while we've been espousing the fact that, you know, pickup trucks are purpose built and one of the things that, you know, that work use ranked last in terms of of attributes and priorities. And I thought that was very that was a very strange result since. You know, people typically buy, I mean, maybe it was the phrasing of the question or something, but well, do you know what I mean? Like, it seemed very kind of an odd that, that, and and maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but work use, I'm, I'm interpreting as utility and maybe that's not the right interpretation. Or is it that they have to use it for like, I need it for my job or? Yeah, I don't know. Well, even but, though, you know, it was near the, the bottom of the list, you know, still, you know, 55% of the truck uh, buyers, you know, 54% for the ICE and 55% of the of those considering an EV, you know, are looking at it for, you know, can see, see that as a less important for their purchase uh, decision. Yeah. And what's funny is the quote from my friend Vanessa uh, is... Ice buyers prioritize horsepower. Shoppers interested in EVs care more about technology. But what's kind of funny is that, you know, one of the fun things about an electric vehicle is the torque. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and the power. <laughs> that like, so, but again, you know, like horsepower can be important depending upon what you're doing. Towing, towing capability is actually almost the same. So it's definitely an interesting result. And I think it's publicly available too. So yeah, we'll, we'll have, we'll have a, a link in the uh, show notes. But the, the other thing yeah. that was interesting, you know, part of the survey was they showed images of trucks to the, the people in the survey. Um, they sh- first, they showed them without branding and model indications to see, you know, which ones they were, um, mo- which ones they found most appealing. And they, they had the F-150, the Hummer EV, the Rivian R1T and the Cybertruck. And far and away, the F-150 was the most popular of the four by. Well, but also like it's the most conventional. Yeah. I mean, it looks it's it's familiar. It looks like what you expect a pickup truck to look like. Yeah. Right. I'm just so glad that the uh, the Cybertruck didn't win. Yeah. The the Cybertruck did pretty poorly, actually. Good. And that gets back to what we've talked about before, where we, you know, I we still maintain that electric vehicle is just a different powertrain doesn't make it weird just different it's an alternative it's getting there yeah i think that's that's one of the things that i think uh this like this hybrid f-150 is going to help um 
facilitate is that people will think of it as another choice and stuff like the Rivian R1T, which is, is striking and, and still does all those truck things, you know, it's coming in as a premium product, but it's really helping to normalize that you can do truck stuff with an electric truck. Um, it doesn't require this sort of full on investment in, uh, you know, changing your lifestyle to, to fit the truck. Like, cause that's really what has to happen with, with, um, the truck buyer is especially like, it just needs to, the truck needs to deliver for their needs without forcing, uh, much change, if any at all. And the fact that you can charge up your truck at home versus like frequent stops to the gas station for a lot of money <laughs> every time you need to <laughs> fill the big tanks. I think that's once people get to use this stuff, they're going to really, really like it and they're going to enjoy the torque. They're going to enjoy the fact that you don't need to, to put so much gas in it all the time or diesel or whatever. And, uh, they don't have to give up anything, um, to get it. And they've, they've proven that they're willing to spend money. Uh, I mean, do you have a $75,000 F-150? Yeah. Well, you know, what, one other thing about this that was interesting um, that kind of talks to some of the things we've said about Tesla, you know, when they did identify what the trucks were, you know, put the badging back on there and ask the question, how likely are you to consider the following pickup truck for your next purchase? Um, the Tesla went from dead last to second. The the, F, the Ford Ford was still you know first by a fairly wide margin, but you know the Tesla moved ahead of the Hummer and the Rivian when to, when people were told that this was the Tesla. Yeah, I think that that's one of those things. Like in the car business, you can probably get somebody to you can you can get a Conquest buyer once, mm-hmm. pretty pretty steadily. Uh, then getting them to buy another one of your cars or vehicles that's the hard yep. part, and I don't. I don't know that a truck buyer who tries a Cybertruck, which is not even a product yet. Um, well, for I don't what know it's that worth, none of these two. are products yet. Well, sure. But I know, we know that the Rivian R1T is coming. right. Well, um, yeah, we, we, know, we know the Ford, the Rivian and the GMC are all actually actively being tested. Right. And that's what I was going to say is like that the Hummer is definitely coming. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the stuff that makes the Hummer is going to wind up in other GM trucks. Oh, absolutely. Too. So. Yeah. You know, you'll be able to get a Sierra with some version of that technology at some point. Uh, or just get 500 horsepower instead of 1,000 horsepower. Yeah. I mean, what's 500 horsepower among friends? (laughs) So, yeah, I think Tesla has a – they have that great reputation down. um, But you see enough of it where, you know, people bought the Model 3 or the Model S and they're like, I won't buy another one. Or the the X, for example. it, because those those things that make it stand out that that are almost gimmicks but they're they're really cool to, to some of the buyers um that's going to be real frustrating when you just need the damn truck to do the damn truck thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the doors won't close and it won't go like uh, nope <laughs> that's know? not an emotional solution <laughs> no not at all um, so I mean, I, this is where I, the market needs to shift. Like we need people, especially in trucks to, to move to EVs. And, and I think for a lot of reasons, um, it's such an ideal platform for electrification, not even a full EV, but just hybridization. I, I think that we'll, we'll see a lot of gains. Um, even just the, you know, the emissions reduction will be worth it. Yeah. 
Let's get into some uh, listener questions uh, and comments. And why, why don't we start with Adam again? This uh, Adam Jackowenko guy. I don't think we've heard from him again. No, who who's that? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> following up on uh, the conversation we had last week about. Which was a follow-up. So following up yes. on the follow-up. So to, just to <laughs> remind people, Adam was shopping for a Mach-E, a Mustang Mach-E, and he went to four different Ford dealers and um, basically got the runaround from almost all of them. Uh, two of the four tried to put ridiculous markups on there. And also, by the way, I, uh, <clears throat> I forwarded that email over to uh, the folks at Ford, and they were going to follow up on that with their marketing folks, you know, have them reach out to dealers and, you know, let them know that that's not, not, not the right way to treat customers. Um, yeah. But so, but the answer too, is that um, if they're selling at MSRP, they're making it. Yes. Yes. That is something that Ford did confirm. Um, Cause we had, we had somebody else uh, write in uh, who uh, their name escapes me right now, but he's, he asked, uh, asked the question or he said that he talked to a dealer that told him that they were not getting any markup on the Mach-E when they sell it at MSRP. And I, I checked with Ford and they confirmed that, no, they are, in fact, getting a markup over the wholesale price. They are making a profit on it right. when they sell it at sticker price. So um, if, a, if, a, if you go to a Ford dealer looking for a Mach-E and they tell you, sorry, you know, I can't sell it to you for sticker, you know, because I don't make any money on it. They're lying to you. Go just walk up, turn around, walk right. away. Find, find another say, dealer. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you are correct, sir. You cannot sell it to me over yes. sticker. Bye-bye. <laughs> so anyway, back to Adam and, uh, you know, his experience with the, with the dealers. And then, you know, Rebecca's got some some of her own personal experience with dealers to, to talk about. But uh, what Adam uh, told, got back to us, he said, in positive news, I managed to find one dealership in my county that was reasonably informed about the relevant EV, EV rate rebates and promos, and not greedy in their markups. So I just bought a Mach-E from them. They admitted much of this was new to them and that I was the first person uh, ever at their dealership to claim California's $1,500 clean fuel reward. So it took them an extra hour to figure out how to process it. But at least they were apologetic and earnest in their efforts to get it figured out, which is good because you know now when, when they sell other EVs, they'll, they'll already know how to do it. I think my point still stands because the average person wouldn't have worked nearly as hard as I did to find a dealer who knew enough and cared enough about selling EVs, but at least there's some hope out there. Uh, thanks to all of you, because I really value your opinions, and those opinions were much of why I decided to get this vehicle. Keep up the great work. It's much appreciated. And thank you, Adam, for continuing to participate. And uh, Rebecca, you have some thoughts of your own, I think, about uh, dealers. Uh, I do. So, Yeah, tell I us am, what happened. <laughs> so I am purchasing a car, which I'm very excited about. And so I chose, uh, I don't know, I chose to get an Alfa Romeo. I haven't signed the deal yet. I have a deposit on one. So I contacted our very good friends at Stellantis and I said, you know, what do you want to sell me a car? And I get <laughs> what's called a certain designated individual discount code, <laughs> CDI. <laughs> G generically, these are friends and family discounts. So if you if you yes. know somebody that works at an automaker, you know, employees usually have a certain number of usually like a pin code or something, you know, or some kind of code that they can give you that you can get, you know, a, a discount on a new car. And some of them, you know, they can they there's significant ones. Mm -hmm. 
So what's great about these is you don't negotiate. You go in, you say, here's my CDI. And it depends on, you know, I guess there's different levels and stuff. And so the dealer then knows that you know somebody that not that you are special or anything, but that you have some connection, you know, to the, to the company. So I did this and I had actually stopped in prior to that, uh, prior to getting my CDI, I'd stopped in, looked at the car, looked to see what they had online on in inventory and exchanged business cards with this kid. And so, and then, you know, he got back to me and he said, you know, this is, you know, based on what I told him, kind of vehicle and what I wanted features and stuff. And then he, there was, there was one particular car. Actually, there was two cars that I was looking at. One was silver, one was white, um, exact same trim, everything else. So he said to me, he said, if you put a deposit down, we'll hold it for 48 hours. And and he said this to me on Thursday. And again, I am, there's just a lot going on right now. I am up to my eyeballs and trying to manage a lot of stuff. So I was like, that would be great. Then, so Friday, then I get an email from him that says, hey, I was able to hold that vehicle until 11 a.m. on Saturday. Now I gave him that, I, I said, I, I said, I'm getting the deposit form. Um, you know, I'll take care of it later on today. And, but I hadn't even sent him the deposit form. He just said, I'm able to get the vehicle held until 11 a.m. on Saturday. And I said, well, that's not really gonna work for me because I've got stuff to do with my mom until noon. I can come after, I can come up by one. And so he's like, oh, well, let me check with my manager. Uh-huh. And, uh. Right? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right, and exactly. <laughs> like, come on, man. I said to him, I said, I said, I, first of all, you said you, that they could hold it for 48 hours. And he's like, yeah, but you know, we're really busy and we're, and Saturday's our busiest day and the manager doesn't really want to hold it. And like, you want to sell the car we're or talk, not? We're talking Alfa face? Romeo here. How many? I, they don't sell yeah, well, that many Alfa Romeos. Well, it, well, it actually, is, it is so, Fairfield so County. These dealers are actually very, very busy. Yeah. They, they, <clears throat> they don't have a lot of inventory and they are selling very quickly. But I was like, I said, I was like, are you, are you really pulling this on me right now? You have to go ask your manager. I said, you told me, you told me it was 48 hours. And now you're telling me that it's basically 16 hours because it was late in the evening. And I said, I appreciate that you're available to me at eight o'clock at night, but are you kidding me? I said, you gave me a timeline that I didn't even ask for. And because you told me it was 48 hours, he goes, well, yeah. When the manager found out which car you wanted, he, he really, he didn't want to hold it for that. That is our normal policy, but we're not going to hold it that long. <laughs> I was like, I said, let me ask you a question. How many CDI number, how many people come in with a CDI number? Well, yeah, not very many. Like, yes, exactly. Not very many, <laughs> which means that not only should you not change a policy on any potential customer, but you sure as hell shouldn't start with a CDI number person. Like I, I just, and I, and I said to him, I said, this is why people despise dealerships. And honestly, like it, if he had, if I was, he was on my last nerve and I really wanted to walk away from the deal. And I told him that I said, I am so close to walking away right now because you are just pissing me off. How dare you change the policy? And tell me you've changed the policy. So just a reminder to car dealerships out, out there, don't screw around with your customers. 
any of us. It doesn't matter what number we have. It doesn't matter if we're a, a certain designated individual. If you give somebody your hold policy, stand by that. It just, if the car is that much in demand and it doesn't sell on Saturday, somebody's going to buy it Monday morning when you, when you open back up again. It was just, it just pissed me off so much. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and it's funny because there's, uh, there was a Jalopnik post um, not too long ago about people talking about how they were basically held captive at dealerships during the buying process, usually in the F&I office, where they try to sell you all the crap like the undercoating yes. or the, you know, the extended warranty and all that stuff. You're just like, I, I just want the car. Yeah, we've well, agreed so on the actually, price with your guy out there. Like, can you just write the papers? I can sign them and we can go like it. it it's easier I, to like donate an organ. <laughs> well, and this is why this is why sites like Carvana and True Car <clears throat> and some of these you know more less traditional sites are appealing. Yeah. So, I actually got, so when like, I went to the dealer, I was probably about 15 minutes late. I sent him a note. I said, listen, I'm running late. I'll be there. I they the car was not ready. It was just sitting in the lot. They hadn't done anything. You know, I told them, I said, I'm coming to your shop to look for the, at the silver one. I go in and then they just, it, it was, it was just, I don't know. They, they were understaffed. The two guys were busy. The guy's like, he's like tosses me, literally tosses me the keys. Here, do you want to sit in it? <laughs> Why do I want to sit hey, in it? Hey, Rebecca, um, Stanford Ford has five Mach-E's in stock. Just so you know. <laughs> uh, so, well, and again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very interested in that Maki. I don't know. There's reasons behind that I can't speak of, but um, it just, it, it was, it was a very disappointing experience. I have not told my friends at Alpha about this, and I haven't told them because well, I think they're going to be so mad. <laughs> Anyone who listens to the show who works at Stellantis is going to know. Oh I'm going to have gosh. to go and snip the guy's name out of the podcast. So I'll, I'll bleep it. So <laughs> poor guy. Like anybody is going to be able to be like, oh, okay, Rebecca lives here, the alpha dealer and the guy's name. And they're going to find this poor kid. I know, right. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's never good when I have to say things like, do you want me to have somebody from alpha corporate call you? <laughs> So like I'm non-confrontational. How do you how do you handle that? Like I just normally I just be like forget just turn it. around and walk um, away. Yeah, well, I mean that's I really I I am as I you know I haven't finished the deal, but it's it's very it's almost frustrating to give them my business. Yeah, like um, I would be like no I I don't want the car I don't want your stupid trinket like scram I'll go buy I mean I guess if you've committed to it especially for if there's other reasons for things you can't buy. Uh, or, or whatever, like yeah. you alluded to with the Mach E, like you know, you, you're a little pigeonholed, but um, for yeah. I mean, for what it's uh, worth, you know, Alex Roy has driven cross country in, in 55 hours in a Tesla, so yeah, <laughs> you know idea. what, Alex might let you borrow his Porsche. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, back to our listener questions. <laughs> So that's my rant. I, so I ranted on on Twitter. You did, and I was I like, did. "Oh my goodness!" And I use unladylike language. <laughs> Although I abbreviated it. No, you didn't. It. You didn't. You just used the, the abbreviation. It was it was fine. Um, <laughs> but the, like, there's a reason why dealers have a, a bad rep, and I, it's you know, it's a hard business. 
Um, but they they may make it easier. Like even as Adam points out, like look, don't jerk me around. Be straightforward, and you'll you'll possibly you know it's it's going to be easier to close the sale. I think the problem is that a lot of the old school techniques allow a, a fatter margin because you're still you're taking advantage of people and you don't have to invest in educating your people which takes time and effort and ultimately costs you money but that's yeah. we had that um uh twitter question i think when we talked about uh recording this show somebody asked like you know how are we gonna how are automakers and, and car dealers going to foster um ev sales and and i think that's actually one of the things that you're gonna have to uh, put more effort into educating people, not only at the, the sales level so that your salespeople know um, more about the product and they can, they can help because like, that's one of the, like when you go, Sam, when you go to like Home Depot or Lowe's or, or wherever, do you want those people coming up to you? This, the, like the, the sales, the, not the sales, but the employees there. Like if you're looking for lumber, like do you want one of those guys to bother you? Or do you want to be left the hell alone? I, I want to be, like, I want to be left alone until that exact moment when I actually do need some help finding something or, you know, getting, right. if I need something cut or, you know, getting it loaded, you know, they, they should be um, hovering just out of sight. But as soon as I appear to be looking around, they should be right there. <laughs> <laughs> right, but so and part of the reason for that because like I want to be left butler. alone too. Right, part of the reason I want to be left alone in that situation is because I I know more than they do. <laughs> it's like it's like the Ron Swanson thing. Like I I know more than you. Just the amount of bad plumbing advice I have heard in the plumbing aisle at Home Depot is amazing. Yeah. And it's just like dude, uh, you, I mean, you like do I said, not want to do the that. The thing I most you know <laughs> when I'm in one of those places, what you know what I'm what I usually need somebody for is. You know, if I'm because usually I will look for look up what I want on the website, uh, you know, online. And, you know, now, now these days, you know, on the website, you know, it'll tell you which aisle, which bin the product is in. Right. And I'm standing there in front of that bin and the product is not there. And that's when I need somebody. It's like, where the hell is this product? Right. Like, I'm just looking for this. skew. Yeah. Where is it? <laughs> I will say, I mean, what I my strategy at Home Depot and Lowe's and places like that. I is if I'm in a specific aisle and I'm I'm just not sure about like whether it's a a screw size or a wrench size or something like that I will ask somebody who is shopping there as well because most of the time they're a contractor or a tradesperson or something and they're always willing to you know I, I mean I would say 90% of the time they're always willing to kind of help out a lot of times the people that are working there are not as well versed as the people that are shopping there, particularly, you know, if you're in like kind of a random aisle. Yeah. But, the, and that's the thing I think that um, automakers are going to have to tell the story about their product in a lot of different ways, you know, grassroots and influencers and um, getting people actually to experience the cars. You can only do so much by sort of broadcasting a message out. You need to get butts and seats to sit there with a product specialist of some sort who knows the thing very well to explain and walk you through here are the features. So it's, it's probably not going to be cheap. I think for automakers to really get EVs uh, adopted just by consumer demand, unless there's some other component where you're trying to adjust behavior uh, through regulation. And I really don't see that happening right now right. beyond more tax breaks. I don't, I don't think there's any, you know, real appetite for, uh, trying to use regulatory measures to 
to push consumers <laughs> one way or another, especially if it's going to cost them yeah. more. But I think also, you know, when shopping for a car, you know, we don't, as Americans, we don't haggle. You know, maybe on I your hate house, to I, this maybe is on your not house, a... right? You make you put a bid in and see what happens. But buying a car is really the one of the few places where we suddenly expect a consumer to be, you know, an expert haggler like they're at the souk in Saudi or something. Right. You know, like and it's, the, yeah. And, and so that's I would love to get I would you know, we were talking about destination charges before. I would love to to get away from this idea of negotiating on the price of your car and that you know it's just like this is the like when you go into you know Wegmans or Stop and Shop or something you're not negotiating on the can of tomatoes that's the price that's it right and it's just you know or when you go into Best Buy to buy a big TV you know like that's the price you go to Apple that's the price and all of a sudden we expect you know consumers to suddenly you have to do all this research on what everyone else is, is buying, you know, is paying for, you know, so you understand what a fair deal is and stuff. It, it's just, this is the price. That's it. That's what you're paying. And right. guess what? Your neighbor paid the same last week. And, and you get to negotiate with a guy who negotiates all day. Like, yeah, you're going up against somebody who does it all the time. It's, it's really hard. I mean, it's hard anyway. It's not a fair yeah. fight. Right. I hate it. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not, I, I'm not one of those people that haggles over price. Like I, this is not, like you said, it's not, it's not a bazaar in the Middle East. Like I just, I, <laughs> no, tell me how much exactly. you want for it. If I can, if I think that's a fair price, I will pay you. If I don't think it's a fair price, I won't pay you. That's it. Like, yeah, you either make the sale but or One of my girlfriends, a quick side note. So one of my girlfriends, I, uh, I, had, I had lost a piece of jewelry and I said, can you pick me up another? It's just a Hamza, like the, the, the sign what's the it's a the five finger sign um and so she's she was going to go to the, one of the souks and i told her i said this is what i want and you know i said just spend i don't know i told her like 50 dollars or something 75 dollars and i don't know to this day how much the replacement was all i know is she said let's just say you paid white people prices <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was thrilled i thought that's a great deal it's sterling silver blah 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 and she's she's uh arabic uh, she's saudi and so she was like you paid what and i was like i was really happy with that price. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the thing is these you know the people at those bazaars at the souk and the markets and stuff that's all I mean, they well, do that's, and they that's the culture it. you know in a lot of parts of the world you know when when you go right. into uh, you know, you go into a, a, a bazaar, you know, or some sort of open market like that, you know, people are constantly haggling over the prices, you know, and right. I mean, it's just, it's just the way they are and nothing wrong with that. Uh, no, I don't have a problem with that. It's just, I don't find it entertaining. It's not my kind of sport. I just like, I want the thing. How much do you want for it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, that's so uh, you know while while we're still with this you know partially with with evs and you know with with dealers we did you know one of the questions we had on twitter was from craig lemoyne um yes i'd love to love to hear you talk about how we'll educate the masses on evs uh and you were referring to this rebecca said i'm constantly amazed at how the average person doesn't understand how evs work and also the limitations and benefits um i mean you know i i know you know this is 
part of what we try to do here, try to educate people. You know, it's certainly one of the things I do, you know, in the stuff I write about and the, the stuff, you know, the, the segment I do on Leo Laporte's Tech Guy radio show every week is try to educate people. But I mean, what what thoughts do you have about, you know, how we can do this? So I think, you know, we have a we also have another listener uh, comment and, and he had talked about how he put a big sticker on his on his EV so that people would ask him you know, about it and, and that the neighborhood effect. I think that it's I, I think that as an industry, we have not really done a great job of saying this is better. An EV is better than what you're driving today because of whatever it is. And I've said this before because it's true. People don't see the benefits of it. You know, GM tried when the Volt came out, GM tried really hard because you remember you could plug the Volt and you can plug anyone, but you can plug the Volt into a 220 outlet or 110 outlet rather. And, you know, it was only getting like 48 miles, but so it was a trickle charge like overnight, but they wanted to show how easy it was. But I don't know that they then, you know, showed how much fun it was or like the, the, you know, the, the positive, the quiet ride that you get from an EV, you know, the, the advantages of it. And so we sort of, we've, we've had to backtrack a lot because we haven't done a good job of educating people on what it's like to really own an EV. You know, what is the etiquette of owning an EV? And, you know, we, we hear a lot about complaints about people that, you know, you'll see uh, charging stations that are, you know, the car's there for eight hours and it's like a Tesla or something that shouldn't even be there. So I think that, I think it's just, it's, it's a conversation. Certainly, you know, EV owners can be their own best advocates for the technology, but the marketing needs to address how EVs are better and more and the and and you know what's the difference what's the difference and how they're better i don't think we've done that yeah yeah i I think that's true i think um there's i think honestly it's experiential you need to you really need to spend time getting people to spend time (laughs) um uh because otherwise they're they're just the words are empty. They ring hollow until you actually have that experience that sticks in your head. So I I don't know the best way to just, and the vast majority of people have never been in an EV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still like less than 1% of the market, right? They're about um, uh, 1.4%, 1.5% last year, but so that's not that many cars. Well, and you know, think about it though. Hybrids like, you know, pure hybrids, like the Prius, what was the highest ever penetration of hybrids? was I think it was 3.4%. And that was when gas was you know, $1,000 a gallon. You know? <laughs> um, right. And, and again, because people don't see how a hybrid is better than their internal combustion engine. And yeah, you can talk about you know, going to the gas station and stuff like that. You know, most people go once a week. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, whatever. Yeah, it sucks. Okay. But you're there for 10 minutes. And, you know, it just, it's, it's a conversation. I think from the very beginning, I have never liked the idea that we advocate EVs in an urban market. I remember I've told this story before sitting when they first showed 
the, the even the technology it wasn't even i don't even know there wasn't really a product that they showed for the chevy volt and this was like 2006 2007 i think and i was living in boston and i said to bob lutz where am i going to plug this thing in i live on the sixth floor you know and one of the other guys from gm was like get a really long extension cord and i'm like from you <laughs> yeah like, that's 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 funny asshole considering you yeah. build the car <laughs> like you haven't thought about it like <laughs> yeah. but an ev is a is a great suburban solution it is it is for people that are driving you know if you if like most people well, god knows how many people are driving what people are driving nowadays because of, of the pandemic but you know a typical commute i you know is i think what was it was like 35 miles or something you yeah. know round trip so you don't have to charge at work if you're only driving 35 miles and nowadays you can get an ev with 200 miles of range you're charging once a week you know or maybe you're maybe you're charging on thursday or something uh, you know i had advocated when i was on the national academies committee i had advocated for talking to businesses about putting charging stations at train stations because everybody here in Greenwich is going from their McMansion to their train station and then they're taking the train to the city. Well, I mean, that's what we have. We have the commuter rail station and that's the nearest uh, level two charger to me is, is there it's a charge point um, charger. And I, I think that's the thing that uh, is everybody's biggest fear is how am I going to charge this thing? And there hasn't been enough thought to replicating what Tesla has done. You know, Tesla, with their superchargers, they thought about the full sort of life cycle of of, of, of the product. You know, like, you're going to build the car, sure, but now how are you going to charge it? And most people don't have chargers in their homes, and if they do, if they need to go elsewhere, how do they charge it then? And they, they imagined that solution, and they put it out into the world as the product was also put out into the world. And we're getting there a little bit more with... Um, you know, like uh, Electrify America and some of the other charging stations. But the the problem is it's still not quite there. And some of the places like, well, you were talking about like there's the charger at the mall if you can find yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no signage at these things. <laughs> you know? you're, you're driving around trying to find the charger. You know, if you can't find it, that doesn't help. Um, you know, right. one, one thing that's interesting um, that I didn't mention last week when we were talking about the 2022 Bolt, uh, Chevy Bolt and the EUV. Um, it, uh, Chevrolet this year is they're partnering with QMerit, which is a company that that handles um, installations, charger installations. And you know, mm -hmm. with with the Bolt this year, they're including like a, a lot of other uh, EV makers, they're including a charge cord that uh, has an interchangeable end on it, so you can plug it into either a 120 volt outlet or a 240 volt outlet. Um, so, and what they're doing is with QMerit, when you buy a, a bolt this year, a new bolt, you, um, they will do a free 240 volt outlet installation for you. Oh, wow. So, That's awesome. I'm actually driving the bolt this Friday. Uh, oh, great. Uh, so you can, you can have the EUV. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm driving the yeah, EUV. I'm driving it on Thursday, yeah. um, okay. yeah, over here. Um, but the, um, 
you know what uh you know it, it, as long as you know you don't have a, a really old house you know with really old electrical system that can't support it as long as your house right. you know can support a 240 volt outlet <laughs> they're not going to come and install it on your knob and tube no <laughs> um the no, ceramic you know, insulator a dryer outlet uh, you know they'll put in yeah. a, a nema 1450 outlet for you in in your garage or on the outside of your house you know, as when you buy the car and then it because it already comes with the charger, basically, there's no added no added cost for getting a charger installed. So, that's awesome. yeah, especially for first time EV buyers, you know, that's that's really great. Um, and even even if you, um, you know, most most new EVs increasingly are coming with, you know, the these charge cords mm -hmm. that support 240. So you don't have to buy an extra charger. You can, you know, all you have to get is that outlet. And even if the manufacturer isn't paying for that outlet installation, you know, again, you know, as long as you've got, you know, a relatively modern, you know, circuit breaker panel in your house, you know, it's not that expensive just to get an outlet put in, you know, it's probably, you know, less than 500 bucks in, in yeah, many cases. Say 500 bucks or something. Uh, um, I, I think too, like if you're a, um, if you're a, a management company and so like the urban environment or even, you know, somewhere more dense, like a, uh, a suburb, but close enough to the city where there's, there's lots of apartments. Yeah. Like, like Queens, Staten Island, like those, yeah. those areas. Doesn't it start to make sense for you to make that one of your amenities to attract? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, tenants is to say like, look, we have, we have charging at every parking spot or, you know, this unit has EV charging if you want it or, or whatever. Well, you know? what was so funny to me was in Boston along, um, what's the, what's the really expensive street? Um, Beacon? Uh, no. Uh, 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 they're all kind of expensive. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in like the Beacon Com Hill area. Com Sorry? Com Commonwealth Ave? No, it was, but, but they, so, so they, they took out all the meters and they put in, one meter that you pay for parking, right? Oh yeah, you come up with like your little space number and you go yes. over to the meter. And I just yeah. thought, you know, that's so funny because actually they shouldn't be taking out those meters. They should be putting in charging stations. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be fair. Running the power to all of those is going to be fairly costly. But some of them, though, they have like some kind of a a meter, like. You know, you slide in a card and it's reading something. They're digital meters. So yeah. that must have a power yeah, to it in some it's way. It's going to be fairly low power. Yeah, I mean, it's, prob yeah. it's probably not. But, you know, yeah. taking, taking them but all no, out. You're, you're right. And, and you know, in, you know, in some places in Europe, uh, for example, uh, and some cities, you know, they're starting to do this, um, you know, put chargers on utility poles. Uh, so for curbside parking, you know, you can. Uh, because those those are going to have you know full power coming to them, so yeah. you know if you can have you know the utility poles with charger charging cords on them, that would be great. Yeah, no, I, look, I agree. But I mean, there's just Boston. Like we built a we we put a uh, you know we put the cannons from Ticonderoga on top of Dorchester Heights in a night. All right, <laughs> 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 and then to chase the British out of town. So. We should be able to put chargers yeah. at parking like, spots. But, but okay, to, let's get well, back to, our back, to back to the you know the original question though, you know, about education, you know, I think a big part of it is going to be, you know, getting you know, building a community, get your community to educate their friends. This is this has actually been one of the things about Tesla's success. It, because Tesla doesn't do any traditional advertising. 
You know, they don't mm-hmm. they don't buy ads on TV or in magazines and things like that. You know, they they do. You know, they have Elon's uh, Twitter account and, you know, they rely on people that have Tesla's to tell all their friends about how great they are. So, and this is what every manufacturer yeah, so here- needs to do is create products that are exciting and get their customers to go out and evangelize it to everybody that they know. But so here's a question, like at what point and has Tesla hit this critical mass where their 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 customer evangelists and their demagogue becomes a liability? Like everybody <laughs> who likes that kind of thing has a Tesla. Right. Like, have they exhausted the, the supply well, of people yeah. who think, are not yeah, turned off by yeah, that? Because I think to there's, me, there's still I, some probably still some room for for Tesla to, to grow there. But but I think, you know, for other manufacturers, there's still an opportunity there. You know, if you know, when Ford sells an F-150 electric or a Mach-E, you know, to a customer, you know, they can tell their, you know, tell their friends and neighbors about it. You know, and I think the yeah. manufacturers need to be encouraging their customers that are buying these things to go out and tell, you know, and take their friends for rides. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, Mike Levine was just uh, recounting on Twitter a story about how he walks out um, and there's people just talking smack about the Mach-E and they're like, oh, is this your car? And he's like, oh, I work for Ford. But, uh, what, you know, yeah. they were offended that it's a Mustang. So we took them for a ride and, and uh, changed their yeah. minds. But it's yeah. it's that kind of thing. It's, it's like, um, you know, to me, I'd never buy a Tesla because... I'm just, I'm turned off by the, the sort of cultishness. Um, and I think that there's a lot of room for other automakers to, to, I think when you, when you buy it, you know what it is, even if you're buying a different brand, somebody buys a Volt, they're going to talk about that Volt and they're going to probably evangelize to a certain degree. You're just not going to see as many of those with stupid vanity plates. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because it, that's such a Gen X point of view because um, like I remember but when we were doing studies on who buys like BMW, this was years ago. And it was like a Gen Xer bought a BMW, not for the status, but because of the attributes of the vehicle. And whereas a baby boomer bought it just for the status, like they just wanted the status. So I think that there's Tesla buyers though, that do appreciate the technology that they're buying. Oh, And, you know, and, and in spite of the, uh, in spite of the the assumptions that you know that people make, I mean, so I think it's you know I think there's room for growth in Tesla because younger buyers still are still want to support a brand like Tesla. The the difference is that now there's a lot of competition coming their way. Yeah, I don't see to me like. That brand is not a brand I want to support. Well, I well no, they're... I mean, but yeah, but a, but a lot of younger people that aren't in the market yet, they still see Tesla as aspirational. The difference is, though, just like BMW experienced when with a resurgence in Audi and Mercedes, the difference is that Tesla is going to see a lot of competition. They're going to see competition from Rivian, from Lucid, from Fisker. So they have to be careful because... Yeah. They can't rest on their laurels at all. Well, and, I mean, and, and just can... as many people are turned off by Elon as are turned on. 
That didn't sound right. I, well, no, I suppose. I mean, they're right. both like. Well, uh, let me, you, while, while we're on this, let, you know, let me read this other uh, listener uh, okay. mail here. So, uh, hey, guys, I'm a loyal listener to the podcast and appreciate the work you put into it. I've noticed that you've never been big fans of Tesla, and that's nothing new among established <laughs> automotive journalists. And much of the criticism is well warranted. Well, I wouldn't say it's true about all automotive journalists. There are there are some right. established journalists that are really big fans of Tesla. Uh, the folks at Motor Trend tend to be more fanboys than some of the other buff books certainly dan neal is a huge tesla fan but well and i appreciate i'm i am glad that tesla is in the market because they push yeah traditional automakers and, and that's that's so, what we've said but well, let me let me finish right. reading what he's, that's yes. here. so i've started to notice that things have turned personal when it comes to tesla and there's a real bias coming through during your conversations the last episode i listened to took this to another level and the criticism fell squarely on the shoulders of tesla owners as being virtue signaling status symbol seeking elitists <laughs> Oh, this is all my fault. Uh, I got it. Uh, okay. First of all, you have a podcast that talks about cars that routinely cost over $80,000 and are out of reach of 95% of American buyers. So, yes, cars are used as status symbols. I do not own a Tesla. I bought a used Spark EV two years ago, and I drove it over 20,000 miles and will never buy an ICE vehicle again. I love the driving and ownership experience. And yes, my initial reason for this purchase was over environmental concerns. I slapped a big electric decal and the Bob Ross happy trees sticker on the, on the back of it. <laughs> nice. Not the virtue signal, but in the hopes that people would ask me questions about EVs. A lot of people did and have, have encouraged them to test drive my car. And I answered a lot of their questions. I hope they have walked away a little bit less scared of an EV future and hope that they would consider buying one the next time they buy a car. Now I'm ready for an EV upgrade and considering a Tesla Model 3 standard range. I'm not considering the Model 3 to get attention or because I see Elon as a deity. My car history includes a Pinto wagon, Mercury Tracer, Scion XB, and so many Corolla variants I can't remember them all. So obviously I don't use cars as status symbols. Now, no, I'm considering a Model 3 because it's the best value amongst all EVs and one of the safest cars made. Even the new reduced price version of the Bolt will cost more than a Model 3 when comparably equipped. I convinced my nephew to buy an EV, and even though he could, even though he could afford a Tesla, he ended up with a Bolt because he didn't want to deal with the stigma of being a Tesla owner. This stigma undoubtedly comes from some Tesla owners, but most likely from uh, more non-Tesla owners, which is a shame. Anyway, all that being said, please to be uh, please be mindful of how you stereotype people based on the cars they drive, and don't assume that you know their motivations. The ones you write about will be insulted. The ones you are right about will be insulted and the ones you're wrong about will that will be doubly so. Keep an open mind or risk losing those old men who drive Corvettes. Uh, still <laughs> love the podcast. Well, thank you, Mike. Um, we, we do appreciate that's, that. All, all fair criticism. Yes. I think that's that, that's true. Um, I, I tend to have that um, reactionary bone in my body where it's just, you know, like I see it and it, it tweaks my nose and uh, clearly I, I must speak about it. <laughs> <laughs> to let everybody know how I feel. Um, I, honestly, I think if if he's looking at a Model Three or he's thinking about it, he should he should try it out. I mean, you heard Alex Roy on the show, who has no shortage of Tesla skepticism and criticism um, to go around uh, talking about how much he loves his Model Three, and and I, I think it is a great car. Uh, some of the quality issues aside, and certainly some of those owners aside, like I would love to hear about it if that's what he winds up with. Yes, please let us know, Michael. Yeah, and you know the, those are valid criticisms, and you know, yes, we we probably over, we certainly overgeneralize, um, you know, with some of the things we've said, um, you know, about 
Tesla owners. You know, certainly there are those who who, you know, have bought them, you know, for virtue signaling reasons, you know, or status symbols, um, particularly, you know, in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, but, uh, you know, Tesla, you know, as you said earlier, Rebecca, you know, Tesla has done so much to move the industry forward towards electrification. You know, they really have legitimized the idea of the EV as something you know, that can can work for people, you know, that, you know, can be a great car, can be a fun car to drive, um, you know, have, you know, they've got some amazing technology. They've done things, you know, that have prompted everybody else in the industry to make changes in how they are designing, developing vehicles and, and how they're doing business. Um, you know, my my complaints with Tesla, aside from the, the quality issues, um, you know, have more to do with with Elon, you know, I certainly don't think he's a deity. I would, if, any, <laughs> if anything, if, if anything, he's the opposite of that, but you know, we don't need to rehash that again. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that a lot of the, the, the valid criticisms of labor practices uh -huh. and just their, their quality issues and then um, misleading uh, claims and uh you know charging for stuff like full self-driving which is never going to be full self-driving in its current uh with its current technology stack all of those things are are reasons why we uh s sort of bring the bring the jaundiced eye <laughs> <laughs> to uh examining uh tesla but uh you know there's, there's no there's no denying that they've built uh a brand that's really well known and it's shorthand for high tech, um, regardless of what everybody else does. Like they, they've really masterfully established themselves in, in the mind of the consumer. And, and, you know, they have, they have shown the rest of the industry how to sell, not just how to build, but how to sell EVs. Um, you know, as I said, you know, the, the lack of traditional marketing, you know, is, that's something that every other automaker needs to be taking into account in terms of how they try to sell all these new EVs that they are, are going to be putting on sale over the next few years. Um, and you know, they, they need to, you know, everybody needs to address that. Yeah. I think Tesla is a good example of a company that the product forgives a lot of other things. Yes. Right. It starts with product. If you have the right product and, the, and a good a good product for the tolerance that an innovator or early adopter can is willing to put up with. Right. I mean, that's the thing is that most of Tesla buyers are willing to forgive um, any of the idiosyncrasies because they want to be the first to drive the technology. So. It is, a, you know, the mindset is quite different, um, but they have done a lot for the industry, however much, however difficult they can be to, <laughs> to handle sometimes. Yeah. All right. So uh, keep the valid criticisms. Yes. Coming. We love the feedback. <laughs> uh, I think that, does that wrap I, us I think, up? I, I think, think that that's enough for up. tonight. And we've got some, I, some more, we got lots more to talk about next week. I mean, I did say it wasn't going to be a super long show, and it winds up being two-hour shows. <laughs> and we should have we I, should I have another uh, special guest next week as well. So, 
So stay tuned. Um, and in the meantime, uh, drop us your reviews and uh, your emails with your thoughts and to keep listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wheel Bearings. Hey, we love to listen to our listeners, too. Drop us an email to feedback at wheelbearings.media with your thoughts, questions, or conversation starters. That's feedback at wheelbearings.media. You can also find us on Twitter at wheelbearingscast. Don't use any vowels except for the A in cast. So that's W-H-L-B-R-N-G-S cast. Thanks again. We hope to hear from you soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.